Hi neighbors, in last night's town board meeting, we heard an update from RTD and discussed Northwest Area Light Rail, reviewed and approved the CAPS and Planning Commission work plans, reviewed our oil and gas setback requirements, made appointments to our Planning Commission and ACES Committee, discussed a potential affordable housing development at McKesslin Park and Ride and the financing required, discussed but ultimately did not change our current meeting end time policy, and went into executive session with our town attorney to receive legal advice regarding the purchase of property for open space purposes. Ready to find out more on what happened? As usual, you may keep listening or click through to my blog to read this post in written form. During board reports, Trustee Tim Howard remarked on the importance of us continuing to wear masks, social distance, and take precautions so that we can close out the pandemic strong. I want to echo this sentiment. For those who are eligible for the vaccine but have not yet been able to make an appointment, click through to my blog for a link to a vaccine finder site, which scrapes available appointments at nearly all the hospitals and pharmacies across Colorado. Our town manager, Matt Magley, introduced our newly hired economic development manager, Jill Mendoza. Ms. Mendoza is a certified economic developer who's excited to help us realize the vision we have for the town of Superior. I'm thrilled to welcome her to our town staff. During public comment, resident Brad Walker spoke up with concerns about board member comments on tactics for addressing noise at Rocky Mountain Metropolitan Airport. Next, Regional Transportation District Directors Lynn Geisinger and Eric Davidson joined to share some updates on public transportation for District O, which represents the northernmost portion of the RTD area. One of our main discussion topics was the desire of the community to have light rail connecting District O to Denver, as described in an article I've linked in my blog. While I'm extremely frustrated that we've been paying for this light rail through a tax increase for years, I don't think it makes sense for us to move forward with it any longer. With such an extended delivery timeline, I think by the time it's built, demand will have dropped significantly due to the proliferation of autonomous vehicles. I want our towns to get what we are owed, but as I said to Directors Geisinger and Davidson, I'd like to see the money our town has paid in reallocated for another use that benefits our community specifically, like perhaps the expansion of the flex ride buses that solve the last mile problem from Homes and Superior to the RTD bus stop on 36. Next, we heard from Cultural Arts and Public Spaces, or CAPS Committee Chair, Terry Whitaker and Co-Chair David Weingarten, who presented the CAPS Committee work plan for the year in order to solicit board feedback. The bulk of the comments from the board were about the art path that will someday wind through the town, with some suggested adjustments to ensure the art path goes through the whole community. CAPS will also seek additional feedback from the community. The board voted unanimously to approve the work plan. Next, our board unanimously passed the consent agenda, including meeting minutes and an agreement with Murray Smith Inc. for design services for the water treatment plant. Item 3C, the Planning Commission work plan, was pulled to discuss removing the bullet around allowing accessory dwelling units, since that was done at our January 25th meeting. Planning Commission Chair Bob McCool also suggested potentially pushing out the updating of the town's comprehensive plan. With these changes, the work plan passed unanimously. Item 3D, potential participation in a Boulder Consortium of Cities joint letter was pulled for discussion by Mayor Clint Folsom. I agreed with Mayor Folsom and did not support Superior signing this letter to Governor Polis, which would request a number of actions to ensure housing stability for Colorado residents impacted by the pandemic. While I certainly support housing stability, I had concerns that the actions provide protection for renters, but do nothing to provide protection for landlords. Landlords aren't necessarily big corporations who can accept the economic hit that an eviction moratorium would take on them. 
Many are individuals and small business owners. Last year, Colorado Public Radio pointed out that there's no specific aid for landlords and people who pay mortgages. People who rely on their rental properties for income are in a tight situation, with the cascade of job losses now threatening their own financial stability. To my chagrin, the motion to support this letter passed 5-2, to two, with Mayor Folsom and I as the dissenting votes. Item 3F, a new ordinance to increase the oil and gas setback requirements, was also pulled for discussion. Our existing regulations include setbacks of 1,000 feet from trails and surface water and a 1,500-foot setback from town boundaries, residential units, public facilities, and parks. Recently, the Colorado Oil and, ja Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, or COGCC, adopted a 2,000-foot setback from schools and a 2,000-foot setback from homes, so we considered matching that change and voted unanimously to approve. Next, some appointments to our various committees. Over the last few board meetings, we've interviewed four residents for potential appointment to the Planning Commission, Ryan Kinderman, Lawrence Rose, Jennifer Kausch, and Jason Serbu. As there were two vacancies, our board voted by written ballot prior to this meeting, and town clerk Phyllis Harden announced that Jason Serbu and Lawrence Rose had been appointed. We voted unanimously to make the appointments. Over the last four meetings, for board meetings, we've also interviewed four residents for potential appointment to the Advisory Committee for Environmental Sustainability, or ACES, John Craven, Michelle Gazarek, Miles Hoffman, and Lauren Wheeler. As there were two vacancies, our board voted by written ballot prior to the meeting, and Town Clerk Phyllis Harden announced that Miles Hoffman and Michelle Gazarek had been appointed. We voted unanimously to make the appointments. Next, Scott Holton shared an overview of Element Properties' extensive local experience in developing affordable housing and presented some ideas for redevelopment opportunities at the McCaslin Park and Ride location, seeking our input and interest in public-private partnership opportunities to finance a development project of this type. You may click through to my blog for a link to view the full presentation. In it, Mr. Holton said that a minimum of 100 units would make this viable, and the element properties would likely need a subsidy of seventy-five dollars to $100,000 per unit. So we'd be looking at $7.5 to $10 million needed in total subsidies. For comparison, in a 2015 Boulder project by element properties, the city of Boulder paid a $15 million subsidy, but we're nowhere near the size or budget of Boulder. To create these 100 units in Superior, with a $75,000 subsidy for each, we'd need every single household in Superior to chip in $1,600. To be clear, we would almost certainly not fund this exclusively through property taxes, but I do think it's valuable to think about town costs on a per-household basis. To me, this is far too much for our small town to support. When it comes to affordable housing in Superior more generally, I have major concerns that using Superior dollars to subsidize affordable housing will really just subsidize Boulder, Denver, and Broomfield. In my opinion, the main reason to employ subsidies for affordable housing is when people can't live where they work, like in big cities like New York and San Francisco. And businesses are struggling to attract workers as a result. But we simply do not have enough businesses in Superior for this to be the case. As I've stated before, I support affordable housing in Superior if and only if we require residents of Superior's affordable housing to actually work in Superior, not if they work in Boulder or Denver and want to use Superior as a bedroom community from which to commute. It's not acceptable to me to spend significant Superior taxpayer dollars to subsidize housing costs for workers in other communities. 
Next, we once again suggest, we once again discussed changing our meeting end time policy. I was extremely frustrated that we were having this discussion once again, as we've discussed it numerous times before, most recently on February 1st and previously on April 27th, 2020. I won't repeat all my previously stated points around why we are less effective at making decisions at late hours of the night. You can read the above link blog post for that. However, I want to reiterate that rather than wasting more time trying to decide how late to allow our board meetings to run, we need to figure out how to make our meetings shorter and more efficient. Today, our meetings are often a set of monologues as we go down the line of our board for opinions. But to me, the true value in meeting is discussing, rethinking, and building consensus. Otherwise, I could just spend five minutes voting and then publish a blog post to justify my votes after the fact. If we're going to spend hours meeting, let's spend the time collaborating and working together on creative solutions and compromise, rather than spending hours individually pontificating. The motion to change our current meeting end time policy failed four to three, with trustees Tim Howard, Neil Shaw, Paige Henshin, and I as the nay votes, and Mayor Clint Folsom, Mayor Pro Tem Mark Lasis, and Trustee Ken Lish in support. Finally, we went into executive session with our town attorney to receive legal advice regarding the purchase of property for open space purposes. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this recap. I really hope it's helpful. Our board is always open to hearing your comments, questions, and concerns. You may always email your feedback to townboard at superiorcolorado.gov or to me specifically at lauras at superiorcolorado.gov. As a reminder, any messages sent to a government email are part of the public record and will have your name attached. If you feel the need to write in anonymously, you may always comment at the bottom of my blog post recaps. Thanks again and have a great week.